Hello Sweat, I'm Jack Grady and this is the Sweatcast, the weekly podcast that provides industry knowledge about the latest trends in the world of sport and fitness. Okay, welcome back to another edition of the Sweatcast. I am your host Jack Brady. With me is the co-founder of Go Sweat, Alex Hind, and our special guest today is former professional footballer and founder of Open Air Fit, Melvin Capleton. So Melvin, welcome. Um, we're happy to have you on. To start off, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Open Air Fit as well. Right, so um, firstly about me, um, I, I kind of um, been involved in sport all my life uh, and it's been a, a major uh, influence on, on everything that I've, I've done. Um, you know, so I, I kind of, um, in terms of um, building confidence, uh, um, instilling discipline, healthy lifestyle and fun as well, most yeah. importantly. Um, I, I grew up in, um, in East London um, and, you know, I kind of didn't really have a lot, but football is one of those sports that you don't really need a lot to get involved in. Yeah, you know, just a Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I can actually remember um, in school um, games where there wasn't even a ball. You know, you could you play the plastic bottle if there wasn't a ball. Exactly, <laughs> or, or just crash down a, a, an empty can yeah. and just just use that to play. You know, so um, you know, for me, uh, it brought about a lot of um, I know the disciplines that I use now to run. You know, open air fit. So I, you know, when I left school, I I I, I um, signed um, on full time terms with Southend United. You know, prior to that, all the way through school, I'd be with Tottenham Hotspurs, and um, you know, you kind of start to learn to work, you know, as with a group, yeah. lots of different personalities, and teamwork. So it gives you a really good kind of um, base for that, yeah. which I think is important going forward. Um, you know, in terms of building relationships. Uh, so, you know, after, um, after signing for Southend as an apprentice, um, I, I, after a couple of years, I went on to, to, uh, to be offered a full-time professional contract. And I, you know, I stayed in the game for about 16 years or so as a professional from school yeah. um, to finish it. Uh, played um, after Southend United for, for Blackpool FC. So um, another seaside town. So I've moved all the way from. Great yeah. choice of colour they've got. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, you're, I was looking at your shirt. Yeah, it's, you know, it brings back a few memories, the, the tangerines. But I, um, yeah, I kind of, um, you know, it's one of those things. So at the age of nineteen, I moved to Blackpool, and you know, bizarrely, that's the first time that I'd actually really left the southeast. Yeah. You know, so that was like a big learning curve for me as well. So, you know, but you have a bit of a grounding uh, in terms of when you go in there, having to build relationships very, very quickly. And it's a completely different culture in the yeah. northwest to what it was in the southeast. Yeah. You know, so and it's a, and you know, it's kind of um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun, lot lots of hard work. Yeah. Um, lots of um, lots of travelling. You know, not always as glamorous playing for clubs at that level yeah. as it as it would be in the Premier League. You know, although you know, I I, I see myself as being very lucky and fortunate mm-hmm. that I was able to kind of 
go into something that I really, which is, which is all I wanted to do. All I wanted to do was play football. Yeah. And um, you know, I was fortunate to do that for uh, many years. Uh, you know, I, I had another spell at Southend after that. They liked me so much, they, they, they took back. me back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the, and then, you know, that's when things started to change for me a little bit. I think um, I had, at the age of 28, um, what I would call a life-changing or career-changing injury. Okay. So I actually um, had a compound um, fracture of the right leg. So basically the whole lower part of the leg, um, tibia, fibula, completely snapped through. Nice. I still have a tibial nail in there now. You know, and it's How did that happen? Um, that was in a game. Was so that was a tackle. So I, my, my position was, um, uh, I played in goal. And um, it was a 50-50 challenge and nobody's full. Yeah. It's just one of those things that happen. Nice. And I think throughout nice. your sporting career, we all think, we all feel like we're invinci invincible. Yeah. You know, those sorts of things happen to other people. So, you know, you never really think about anything else other, other than football. And um, that was like, quite a cru crucial, critical age for me, because at sort of 28 yeah, to- Yeah, so, so you're just starting to come into your prime, really, because, you know, goalkeepers are considered to be babies yeah. um, up until you're kind of 28, 29, 30. That's yeah. when you really start to like come into your own. And um, it's at that time, uh, while I was um, being rehabilitated, that I kind of started to think to myself, um, maybe, just maybe, I might not be able to, you know, the injury looks so bad, will I be able to play again? Yeah. And number two, will I be able to play at the same at level. Same level yeah. uh, you know, fortunately for me, I, I just signed a, a, a three-year contract, so I still had a bit good of time. Timing. Good timing. Perfect timing <laughs> yeah. for me, not for the club. But, um, you know, I kind of um, worked very, very hard with, uh, with, with the club's physios um, to kind of get back to recover. And at that time, uh, I just thought to myself, um, you know, because I've always been quite a realist and quite pragmatic with the two growth industries at the time were health and fitness and the other one was IT so while I had a bit of time I started to take all my qualifications in those two two areas um, and I initially uh, worked as an IT tutor when I stopped um, when I stopped playing or went down to playing part-time and then I kind of um, you know because I'm so used to being outdoors, yeah. it, it felt a bit... They're very different worlds, aren't they? Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, it's just like, I've never known anything like it. I've got no, you know, you know even at school, I used to um, you know, take, the, take the odd day or two off yeah. just to be outdoors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to be kind of in a, in a college, in a, in a classroom for, you know, most of the day, just it didn't, it suits some people. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't, didn't really suit me. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it's kind of... Um, you know, I started to uh, initially work with um, uh, with, with toddlers, um, you know, physical and social development, really. And Why did you pick kids to start with? Well, I think, I mean, I, I initially I started, um, I did, you know, I won't, I won't mention the name of them, but I started a, a company with um, a best friend of mine. And, um, you know, uh, that, that was um, the area that we saw on the market, that we saw there was an opportunity to, to start to run um, sessions for you know, nursery age children or preschool. And, uh, and that worked really, really well. Uh, and that, you know, kind of um, you know, one reason 
or another, I decided that you know it might be quite nice to just do you know work on my own project. Yeah. Project, and um, you know so it's, it's really you know this is really how Open Effort came about because from these toddlers uh, in the class classes, uh, I then started to you know once word got out that I, I was a qualified trainer I started to train their mothers okay. and this is sometimes how things start to grow organically yeah. and you know open air fit still hadn't been thought of at that time and you know at that time I was working as a, as a sole trader so it was just me on my own uh, and you know but I loved the idea of instilling you know good habits yeah. in small people mm -hmm. early on because I think if you can do that early, it kind of becomes part of routine and part of habit. Um, whereas I think if you try and get them to do fitness and sport later on, it, it feels like a little bit of a chore. But if it's part of your everyday life, you know, it's never, it's never a problem. Uh, and, you know, so from there, started to kind of, um, yeah, train, um, train their mothers uh, as they got fitter. They were like, they, they thought we might like our husbands to do the same thing as well. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden it's starting to get, build a bit of momentum and grow organically. And, you know, it just started me thinking that wouldn't it be great if you could make fitness and sport accessible to everybody. Yeah. So I like your, your, um, Summarising our kind of company vision within that. Yeah, right. <laughs> we say we want to make sport uh, accessible anytime, uh, anyone, anywhere. So yeah, it's pretty much identical to what we're trying to achieve. Um, and I guess where, what do you see the kind of end goal with Open Air Fit being, if you have one? Well, you know, it's it's always kind of um, evolving, but I'd like to, you know. You know, for us, I'd like to see, um, you know, everybody from preschool to, you know, 87 years old, early onsets of, of, of Alzheimer's, um, you know, reaping the benefits of, um, of, of fitness or being able to um, find their sport or their activity, you know, pretty much the same as you, whenever they, whenever they need it. Uh, and I kind of... Um, you know, kind of look at where we are at the moment and and how we've started to grow, and you know, I, I just we just need we just like to maintain that and kind of spread out a little bit more, you know. So um, recently had talks with um, you know the local council and management advisory committee for our local common about trying to get you know retired people mm. that out of their houses onto the common to come and train, something that's going to benefit them um, and, and also kind of, um, you know, improve their social yeah, kind of, um, you know, structure as well. Tough market's crap. It, it yeah. is, but there's, there's so many of these guys who are sitting and, and, and ladies that are sitting at home, you know, and I, I think, you know, I, I can't think of anything more depressing than being unfit, unfit yeah. and on your own as well. So. There, there are lots of um, people, uh, people in that age bracket who are out training regularly. Yeah. And you know, you can see how happy they are. How important do you think it is to sort of have that 
almost buddy system to have someone to go with and that you can see in the sort of the social aspect of, of I, I, I think it's I think it's crucial I think so, I think sometimes we completely forget about that age group and yeah. we just kind of think about you know everybody who's currently there but you know I just feel that um, why shouldn't they be able to access sport that works for them and you know if we can kind of get them outdoors uh, onto local commons which are on their doorstep yeah you know and, and it's, a, it's about education and it's about outreaching as well because they don't know that this is going on you know so I, I kind of in my mind feel that we can go and maybe knock on a few doors um, go you know even go into some old people's homes mm-hmm. as well and say that you know we could there's there are these services on offer for you which is really going to help you know if you think of um, um, someone sitting in a uh, a council block on their own day after day you know the biggest strain on the NHS is is people's lifestyles and that's you know from I don't know your diet uh, you know hard partying um, inactivity as well you know so I think the less you do the worse off you are and I think for them as well Alex I think just to kind of get them out and involved um, with with other people on a regular basis, you know, it's got to make your life better. Do you think there's potentially spirit for some kind of way for GPs or social workers to help prescribe or at least advise people to get out and do these kind of things? I th- yeah, absolutely. And you know, we look at um, they 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 should be doing that. And um, you know, I'm not blaming anyone, but if you look at diabetes um, in this country as well. A lot of it is that age group who aren't doing anything, mm-hmm. and if they're not, if their second door is not doing anything, they're probably in the wrong things. Yeah. They're probably not having the right um, diet, or they maybe don't, you know, or feel like they have access to those things. And I think it's like, um, you know, can you prevent that from happening yeah. by going in now, or or is it all about, you know, operations to amputate? limbs and things you know further further down the line can we get to it before that happens because those operations are cheap you no, know, but, but if, you can, if you can intervene early on then you know it, it'll make a huge difference i remember reading some things about the cost of diabetes to the nhs and i can't remember that time but it was something like nine or ten billion pounds each year is spent on diabetes related care now that doesn't include things um, that are often associated with diabetes, which obesity, of course, is one of them. And I think that that market is so difficult to get access to, partly because, if we're being brutally honest, they're quite stubborn a lot of the time. Um, change is not always accepted in the older generations, but also it's they don't have that understanding of why they should be doing these things and what that actually involves. Um, and I think partly it's the fault of the sport and fitness industry as it brands itself as very exclusive, very hardcore, very polarised, when really what it should be is open to, to anyone to do, regardless of age or sex. Which is exactly what, you know, so we, you know, one of our products, we, we run um, women's football sessions as well, and um, we also work with a lot of, um, uh, you know, special needs and, and disabilities as well, and that's one of the, you know, that's just some, some of the ways that, we look to try and make it inclusive for everybody. Uh, you know, there are groups that are seen as, you know, for want of a better word, disadvantaged groups. 
and, and by that it means that unlike us, you know, Alex, Jack, as guys, young guys, fit guys, we can get up and if we want to go and find a rugby session, we can do it like that. It's just on the doorstep there. If we want to play football, it's right there as well. But for some groups, uh, it's not as easy for them to do that. It's, it's a lot of hard work. And, you know, I kind of look at um, some of the work we do with um, some of the local schools as well. And, you know, uh, one in particular has quite, you know, a high rate of free school dinners, which means that they're on, they're, they're on a certain line or below a certain line uh, where they can kind of, you know, maybe even eat regularly. Or, and those guys, you're, you know, because I kind of grew up in a similar background, yeah. the priority of those families is to try and get as much food on the table as possible. After school clubs, uh, swimming and those things, uh, that they don't really happen, they're not a priority. So one of the things that we try and do now is to try and make sport accessible to, you know, that's just one way of making it accessible to everyone. Nobody should have to miss out. So sort of taking a step back for a second, what do you think the importance or benefits of just simply being outside are? I feel like a lot of times when people are exercising, they're in you know a big crowded gym or studio or something like that, and, and more or less people don't really go outside unless it's the summer. So what are sort of some of like the, the benefits of just getting fresh air and being out in you know a commons or a park or something like that that you think maybe kind of get overlooked by a lot of people? I mean, there's, there's the... Um the, um, the, you know, some of the obvious things like, um, you know, your, your vitamin intake, uh, you know, um, things like, um, you know, just, just clearer air, you know, because I think we look at um, a lot of people and their lives revolve from leaving, leaving the house, maybe getting on the underground or a train, yeah. going into an office or a building, yeah. spending the whole day there and then doing the same thing in reverse. Mm -hmm. or you know, and, and you know, uh, I, I think about being outdoors, that, you know, some of the people may be taking exercise, but they might go from all those indoor environments straight into a gym, yeah. straight into it. So you're never really outdoors, you know, and I think just in terms of exercise, um, you know, just even running outdoors versus running on a, on a treadmill, uh, you know, because of changes terrain, you're gonna get a higher benefit yeah. And um, you know, um, quicker, quicker results running outdoors. I mean, I don't know. You're also going to enjoy it more because you're not staring at yourself in a mirror or a yeah. wall. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and I, and I kind of um, and, I, and I think you know, people listening, some of them will um, probably recognise this. Uh, running, doing your training on the treadmill, uh, doing your 10k, and then going out and doing it. Yeah. On on part or common, it's yeah. a completely different activity, yeah. and that doesn't that doesn't really prepare you. And I think for me, uh, being being outdoors just gives you a lift. I mean, you, I, I was just saying earlier, you know, like even you know late January now, uh, if you start training at six or six thirty in the morning, by the time you hit quarter past seven, you you've all it's already starting to get light, and as the months go on. You know, by the time you hit kind of March uh, in the Feb, you know, you might know a bit of blue sky there. Yeah. And there's, there's no better way to start your day. <laughs> and it's just all the good, uh, you know, um, I think all the feel-good 
chemicals that the body releases. You know, often you may work with, um, you know, um, children who are taking um, their exams or uh, maybe building up to that. And it's very, very stressful and really, really intense. And sport and exercise is a, is a really good way to kind of release kind of pent up energy, but you know, all your kind of good chemical releases, like you know, your, your dopamine and uh, yeah. you know, your, um, your endorphins. And, and, and you know, I just think it's so important just to refocus yourself. So let's say for, you know, your typical adult who's working, you know, a nine to five or something like that, how do we get them to see sport and fitness as something fun and something that they want to do? Uh, simply because the last thing that, you know, when you come home from a long day of work, the last thing that anyone's going to want to do is do something that they kind of see as another chore or, or spend more time doing something that uh, they just feel like they're not getting a lot out of. So we'll have the answer to that and much more right after this quick message from our sponsors. Hey everyone, Steph here, co-founder of Gay Sweat and sponsor of The Sweatcast. Gay Sweat wants to make discovering sports simple, so we've created a sports marketplace that allows users to easily discover and book sports and fitness near them. No more scrolling through Google, trying to find your local facilities. Gay Sweat lets you search for exactly what you want, where and when you want it. From silent disco boot camps to candlelit yoga and even Quidditch, we've got it all. For 20% off all Ghost Sweat activities, enter the discount code SWEATCAST at checkout. Happy sweating! Okay, welcome back. Uh, right before the break, we asked Melvin how he thinks adults can sort of view fitness differently so they see it as more of a fun activity rather than a chore. So take it away. Well, I, I think, um, you know, it, it, sometimes it's about finding or looking for the right thing for you, because, which is why we try to offer such a range of um, products, because I do believe that there is some, something for everybody. And, um, you know, I think it's, you know, to come in after quite a long day uh, and, and get home and feel a little bit low physically and, and maybe mentally as well you, you can kind of get into your comfort zone just to sit in and do, do nothing yeah. when actually the best thing you can do is to go out and get a little bit you know get a little bit of exercise um, particularly going outdoors but also you know maybe in a group activity you know so that you're actually kind of it's more of, it's like a social thing as well yeah. That, and that's, that will make it more fun and, and we tend to find or, or there is research that says if you um, take part in a, a group activity you're more likely to kind of um, you know to maintain that and I, I just think it's about getting better isn't it and I, I, don't, I haven't seen anybody improve or get better by staying in their comfort zone mm -hmm. but we do regularly see people who don't think it's for them they come out and you know within two sessions they're hooked on it because all of a sudden you'll get you know particularly being outdoors as well you get all of that you know all the benefits of being yeah. outdoors so obviously kind of sort of switching gears again when you look at it you started with with children and and sort of it's important for them to find fitness fun whether it be playing games or playing on you know a team sport or something like that 
um, and, and obviously the transferable skills that come with being on a team as a kid and how they lead into a lot of other things later on in life. Um, but at the end of the day, the people who are kind of calling the shots, uh, so to speak, are the are these kids' parents. So what sort of message needs to be communicated with them because they're the ones who are controlling what their kids do in terms of fitness and, and what they're eating as well, I feel like is, is more or less a lot more overlooked than the actual activity. So what sort of message do you think needs to be communicated to, to most parents in regards to getting their kids active and, and on a healthy track? Well, just that it, it, it makes the parents' life easier um, if you've got uh, quite an energetic child because I think um, people, pe you know, people, people know what teenagers can be like at different, uh, at, sure. you know, different stages yeah. of life. Now, they're not all the same, but there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of things happening, a lot of things going on, and I think we're at, uh, at a time uh, where there is a lot of technology, which is, you know, and, and, it, and it's quite interesting because it doesn't seem to matter what background you come from. But everybody seems to be able to get their hands on electronics, yeah. you know, and um, you know you can spend so much time doing that. It kind of, uh, you know, I, I think again there's some research that says too much of that changes your brain pathways, yeah. and not in a good way, and it becomes quite addictive. Um, you know, we, we we think about all the things that are good for the body, you know, for uh, health, for healthy li lifestyle. Uh, for brain function and, uh, and and you know just not even thinking about the dietary side of things but exercise is so important for that and I just think um, you know if you kind of um, they might be a bit children might be a bit resistant to it but if you can kind of find I think just work hard to try and find something that, that works for them and, and, and kind of fits what they uh, you know their skill set as well because we're all, all different you know we might have um, some guys that are built like runners don't maybe take them down to the rugby club because yeah. once you get you know unless you you know get a bit of success then they're probably unlikely to get yeah. that so that will probably put them off but I, I would just say to parents in terms of uh, and it's, it's not easy because when you go into the um, uh, tuck shop and you've got your dinner money you can't you can't really control what children are going to eat but I think indoors you can kind of limit what you have in there and I think you're halfway there and I tend to say to parents with uh, with their children if you can work together and kind of design some meals together and kind of look at you know um, nutritional content in food as well mm -hmm. if you can do that as a family then it kind of tends to stick a little bit more. So I would say maybe try and look at those types of, um, you know, um, working in that way around food. And also sometimes, or a lot of the time, we have, I mean, we, we run family um, fitness sessions as well. And I think if mum and dad seem to be doing this as well, then children are more likely to, you know, because I, I think we're so heavily influenced by um, our parents as well as our, peers as well and it's funny because I look at smaller children and their parents and I, I listen to language for example and that little four and a half year old is saying some of the exact, exactly yeah. the same things as the parents and it's as simple as that and sometimes we don't even realise that we're doing it but I think it's if we can lead by example a little bit more 
that's got to be a way forward or a good start anyway. I think having the idea of having kids and adult activities together is something that hasn't been explored or utilised enough. Because it's very, very rare that you see any activities that are designed for both, unless it's, you know, mother and baby Pilates or mother and baby yoga or there's buggy, buggy sides or whatever you want to call it. There doesn't seem to be much crossover between kids that are aged, you know, let's say five to ten, um, doing some kind of activity, sport, fitness, whatever you want to call it, with their parents. And you know what, Alex, as well, sometimes, you know, and I appreciate that, you know, uh, you know, even some fathers have quite a heavy schedule and they, you know, during the week, they feel like it might be impossible for them to find time to train. But, and then you come to the weekend and they've been away all week, can they justify 20 minutes getting out to a training session, an hour, and then another 20 minutes or so getting back, another 20 minutes in the, um, in the shower or, or more, depending on who it is. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that's quite a lot of time when you've yeah. been away. So what, one of the things that we thought was, why, why don't we turn fitness into a family activity so it becomes a family activity? And that's another way to make, it, make sport and fitness accessible to you know to, to everybody and you know even with our women's football um, sessions during the you know the half terms and, and holidays very often it's difficult for them to come and make this make the sessions because they, they've got the children at home so what we said was um, bring them bring yeah. the children so you know again it, we're still trying to make it as accessible as possible and it's really important for us to make sure that all of our products are at the very, you know, at the best that they can be. So, you know, it's important for us to make sure, and I say it to all the coaches, you know, it's not just about anyone taking part in a session. Um, every time we go out and run a session or design a session or a class or, um, you know, you know any of our, for any of our products, we have to try and make sure or aim to make it better than the last time, more fluid, uh, more enjoyable and you know um, able to get better results quicker we, we always want to improve day in day on day in day out yeah so we're going to uh, bounce over to a little bit different portion of the podcast now where we're going to throw some rapid fire questions at you um, just say whatever comes to your mind or whatever you're feeling, um, don't worry, it's nothing too intense. <laughs> I'm just going to have a drop of water <laughs> this sort of thing always makes my mouth dry. <laughs> so for the first question we have, uh, do you have uh, a morning or nightly routine and if so, what is it? Um, well, I get out of bed every morning. Yeah, I'd say, um, I mean, I, I, I get up and um, you know, and it's funny. I kind of throw, uh, throw a smoothie together. Okay. You know, so it might be, um, you know, some beetroot um, banana. Um, beetroot banana. Yeah. So it goes together. Try it. Try it. Beetroot goes with everything. I've only had beetroot once. I've had beetroot juice once, and I genuinely thought I was eating dirt because it just tasted like dirt. I just couldn't stand. I actually it. like that it. That must have been organic. <laughs> that must have been Probably, organic. Yeah. Oh. Straight from the ground. But um, you know, some oats in it. Just to kind of, because um, I, I know that um, I'm going to you know, hit my first session about six, half six, 
and I tend to have to go back to back all the way through the morning to yeah. about maybe half 11. So I need to make sure that I've got enough good nutrition in me to kind of last that pace. Um, not forgetting the coffee. Always, yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> in fact, the coffee's the first thing. Yeah. The coffee's the first thing. Everything else comes after that. So what's something that you can't leave home without? Um, Outside of your phone, let's say. <laughs> um, that that would probably be... Um, my uh, my watch. Your watch. My watch. Is that is that a smartwatch? It's kind of. It's it's um uh, a Garmin um, GPS um, watch with um, heart rate monitor because I always like to kind of track myself and make gotcha. sure that um you know I'm I'm working at a certain level as well <laughs> and, you know working as hard as I yeah. can you know as well and and also you know for uh, if if we're in a session which involves running and timing as well I'm able to accurately track. Um, clients or trainees distance times you know so we can see the improvement oh, yeah. uh, I, I, in fact the watch is almost more important to me than having a phone <laughs> more important than the coffee um, not as important <laughs> <laughs> so what's some bad advice that you hear most often in your industry um, bad advice um, I, I don't know do you know what? It's quite, it's quite an interesting question because I tend to just pick up on the good, the good on the good bits, yeah. and um, I think most of the, the the bad bits just just go by you. And to, um, to be honest, I think, and we were very lucky in in the area that we work in. That you know, I know a lot of the trainers. Yeah. They are everyone's very highly qualified, and they're very very good. And often you can kind of, um, you know, um, share. A lot of times I feel like when you go into a class or a personal training session or whatever, I feel like you can tell within the first five minutes maybe whether or not like the person has sort of like just got it, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're in it, they're educated and, and you know, they're personable. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. So do you have a quote uh, that you live by or maybe one that you think about often? Uh, you know, the, the only thing I kind of um, say to myself is, you know, improve every day. I think if you can try, it, it doesn't have to be a lot, it doesn't have to be a massive leap. It might be a millimetre here, or a millimetre there, or a millisecond here. I think as long as you focus or look to improve every day, then, you know, you're moving in the right direction. But I always kind of think to myself, uh, what can I do better today? You know, that's every day. Yeah. So last one, uh, a little bit of a tricky one, but I think, uh, I think you'll have some fun with it. So what's one unusual habit or absurd thing that you do that you love? Mm. There's, there's probably too many of those to mention. Okay. There's not just one. There's not just one. <laughs> um, well, do you have a favorite one maybe? Uh, um, when, I, when I'm on my own or, or sure, just, yeah. okay. Okay, so I, I quite like to dance a lot, and, uh, and, and, and Alex, I, I do, Jack, I do, well, Penny's probably heard this before, but at the age of um, kind of between 10 and 11, I, I made the regional finals of um, uh, uh, a national disco dancing competition. Oh, wow. Disco dancing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I could have gone in a very different direction, you know, so I kind of, um, I do like to have a little dance um, now and again. Just when you're in the kitchen making dinner, or yeah, or when or anywhere, on yeah. the as long you know, um, preferably when no one's watching. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> That's great. So where um, where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you? Um, I mean, I, I think that probably the easiest way to, to get to us is through our website. Um, you know, if you go on there, it's got all our, our, our contact details. Um, we've got some amazing people working behind the scenes to kind of make sure that um, everybody, uh, whether it's uh, for PT or circuit, circuit classes or, you know, uh, might be box fit, um, you know, can, um, is able to kind of find easily and access and get booked on to these, um, to these classes, which is a little bit of what we're going to be doing with, with you guys as well. Yeah, that's great. So what's, the name of your, uh, what's the name of your website? So it's um, www.openairfit.com. Okay, perfect. So special thanks uh, for Melvin for coming on today. Uh, we, had, we had a great time talking with you Thank and you. we feel like you, you had a lot of great things to say for everybody. So thanks again. That's very kind. Thanks very much. That's it for the sweatcast today. I'm Jack Brady. Hit that like or love button and remember to share this podcast. The sweatcast is every Wednesday at 9 a.m. You can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and CastBox. Remember to keep sweating and see you next week.